put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Welcome to Hex Rated, where we four witches will take you on a magical journey through foul language and outrageous feminism. And maybe a little witchy shit. Say that one more time. Your post baby body looks better than most people's all the time body. Why do you want me to repeat that? Because I wanted that on tape forever. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's for you, Lily. That's for you. Woo. Hey, Lily. Welcome back, man. No, Lady. Back. Uh, yeah, not man. Opposite, complete opposite. <laughs> Confirmed of that you are not a man. Confirmed. How are you? Excellent. How am I? Yes. Oh, I'm tired. I'm very tired. <laughs> How are the bun buns today? Oh, they're good today. They're sleeping a lot, which is both nice and worrisome because they usually sleep a whole lot right before that. They have a growth spurt or a uh, mental leap. Ooh. So I'm like, okay, y'all are sleeping a lot right now. Does that mean after this that it's going to be like a hellish like three days of not sleeping at all ooh. and just nursing around the clock? So we'll see. What it happens. sounds like you've already been through this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're um, giant babies right now. They're well, they were giant when they old. came out, right? For twins, they were huge, yeah. And they're still gigantic. Getting turned on that fresh breast milk. I mean. Those okay. shield maiden jeans. That's right. Making big babies. They will protect. The they'll protect the world. The shield maiden genes. Shield maiden genes. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've got it. X chromosomes. I guess that. Uh, I have to say. Go ahead. It's really weird talk podcasting with you guys and like looking around my bedroom and not seeing oh. anyone. Uh, I think we'll probably figure out how to do. Uh, we you should mean, probably figure out how to do Skype or something in conjunction. Yeah. That way we can all I'm look at like, each other too. I'm yeah, disappointed that you threw out the life-size cutout I gave you of me. <laughs> you don't have it. You know what? Once I got married. I'm... Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hex Rated. Oh, yeah. That's no, what I we're mean, doing here. A lot of times we I just. I thought we were just having a conference call. We just start. That's how we roll. Uh, I am Blackbird. And I am Jay. I'm Scarlet. And I'm Lily. Yay! <laughs> Lily is joining us via the phone. Because she has a few things to do. She did not turn into a robot. No. That's not why she sounds different. No. She's, or did she? She's busy with babies. I haven't seen her in a while. She might have turned into a robot. She still looks good. Yeah. Y'all don't know. We, we don't. We don't. Uh, well, we certainly are kind of uh, getting caught up on what's going on with Lily. But I know I know you're still thinking about uh, recording uh, a little special something for our listeners. Oh yeah, very excited. Yeah, um, yeah. I just got to find time to do that. Well, I mean, you know, it's like nobody can fault you. You're kind of you kind of got shit going on. Just saying. Yeah, these these two babies. Yeah, it's crazy. Everybody, like, I have a couple of uh, friends who got 
pregnant right around the same same time as me Copycats. or people that I met through my birthing class. Right. And like, they all just have one baby yeah. and they're complaining and stuff. And oh. I'm like, y'all motherfuckers. Yeah. Fuck them like, and their one baby. one baby. Yeah. You're one baby. That's <laughs> oh, not... your baby goes to sleep and there's not a second baby to worry about. <laughs> right. That must be so hard for you. <laughs> I'm going to make you a shirt that says, fuck you and your one baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should definitely have that shirt. Oh my God. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not hard to have just one baby. I mean, it is, but just hearing people complain, I'm like, y'all don't even know. Well, and I know you'll probably cover this in the mini so that you do, but I mean, I bet people would be curious to hear, like, do you feel especially like more magical, less magical, same magical? looking at your babies makes you feel magical i don't know there's a lot <laughs> but i'm sure that tiredness also has something to do with like the level of you know magic you feel on an hourly basis <laughs> like i would not be feeling sleep magical if i had not slept for a while so sleep deprivation depri- depri- i can't even say the word but are you are you having visions right are you having visions <laughs> Uh, I'm not, but you know, it's hilarious. My husband, the first week, um, cause he was so sleep deprived too. And I guess because during the pregnancy, it had been so hard for me to sleep. I had kind of gotten used to waking up every like two hours, have to like go to the bathroom or readjust because I was so pregnant. Um, but so he pregnant. was not. So the sleep deprivation hit him especially hard. He like woke up and saw something on his nightstand that he thought was a baby and then he started panicking and like woke me up because he thought I had left a baby just on his <laughs> nightstand I mean and then I turned off then I turned on the light and he was like oh it's, it's not a baby and I was like why would I just leave a baby on your nightstand wait but if there really was a baby on the nightstand why is his response to be like waking you up to be like explain this <laughs> instead of being like oh shit I'm gonna go get the baby off the nightstand i don't know it was it was just all sleep deprivation oh it was more like he was sleepwalking kind of like he was out of it (laughs) but also to be fair your babies don't fit on any fucking nightstand so just saying not anymore (laughs) they're big 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 girls we love them they're chunky moms i love it what else what about you, babies or uh, about magic or about life? I don't know. I all mean, there's time. <laughs> there's time in the world for all of these things. Does your vagina look different? Whoa. I read that after you ha- have babies, your vagina like looks different. But I've never you know had anyone explain I'll to me real. how yes. it looks different. Like, is it a different color? Is it like be real? Your oh. labia are like longer. Like, I don't. It has like not been on the top of my priority list to like look. Yeah, to be honest. Right. I haven't um, like inspected. Uh, yeah, because I didn't even like want to look at my stitches or anything because I had stitches. Yeah. So, because my midwife asked me that at my last appointment, she was like, "Did you check on your stitches?" Nope. Because she was going to anyways, and I was like, "Nope, did not, did not look at that." <laughs> Left that all for you. Is <laughs> why does, does yeah. do stitches and stuff freak you out? No, I just didn't want to like look down there at them and see my premium stitched up yeah i'm with you yeah. i don't know if i, I mean yeah i'm good good for you you're good i mean yeah. i'm not i'm not looking anyway uh you know <laughs> i'll look i don't care <laughs> i love gross stuff oh not that your vag is gross i bet it's great it's a beautiful orchid opening to it, the morning sun it made beautiful babies 
did. That's a fact. Well, it well, it, gave it didn't, but <laughs> like they moved through <laughs> you. They moved through you. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, uh, what we're going to talk about first is we got some awesome emails from listeners. Mm-hmm. We sure did. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Carrie. She She's from South Dakota. So um, she is also a witchy poo in a red state. Um, she had some podcast recommendations for us, which I'll read off in a sec. But um, she had the best fucking idea. Can I tell it to you guys? Please. Um, she was listening to one of the episodes where we were talking about um, the thinks panties that I am in love with that you just bleed into. And she was saying that uh, she and her daughter, she had gotten into um, sewing handmade uh, washable ones uh, before she heard us talking about the thinks. And us talking about witchcraft and uh, and period stuff, she came up with the great idea of writing runes on your pads or whatever, like a sigil, and then just bleeding on them to, to seal the spell. And I was like, that is fucking genius. I'm going to do that forever and ever and always. So, yeah. Um, so combining blood magic, uh, periods, lady stuff, magic, runes, yeah. putting everything all together. Moon time. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. It almost makes me wish I still had a period, but not that much. Just saying. <laughs> I love it. It's, um, it's pretty rad. So I thought that was really rad. Um, she also, I want to give a big shout out to her because she was saying uh, that you know, Trump getting elected was horrifying and that previous to that, she was kind of, you know, on the bench as far as politics were concerned, but it really lit a fire under her ass. And she got, uh, she joined a local environmental club and was elected to the board. Yeah. So fuck. Yeah. Like making shit happen, being important. So, um, that's really hardcore to do a, a life 180 and just dive in the deep end like that. So, Big huge shout out to uh, Carrie and then uh, her podcast recommendations because we were asking all previously for some uh, New World Witchery, Inciting a Riot, Inciting a Brouhaha, um, Tarot Bites, which I haven't heard of. That uh, sounds fun. Pod Save America, which is I love. a political one. Yeah. Um, Reaching for the Moon, Ooh. Sustainable Living Podcast, To Gomer, uh, Run for Their Lives, We Got This, and Welcome to Night Vale. Oh, I've heard of that, too. So those are her recommendations. Cool. Cool. And we also got some recommendations from from yeah, another person. Another person. <laughs> uh, from another uh, reader who would like to have her name stay private because she is a science witch. Fuck yes. Which is so cool. Yeah, we're and down. And we love it. And Thank we would you. love to hear more about your science. We don't know what it is, but we want but to tell hear us about, about your it. science. Um, she <laughs> she recommends Betwixt in Between, Circle of Salt, um, The Priestesses, which I've listened to a little bit, Ooh. New World Wit- Witchery. Um, Spirits podcast, which is mythology. Oh, this one's for you, uh, Lily. Ask a clean person. <laughs> she says it's related to the whole German cleaning thing. That's uh, amazing. You must remember this, uh, which is cinematic and Hollywood history, which sounds really fun. Yeah. Uh, Alice isn't dead, which is a fiction uh, podcast. And she also said that um, it, if uh, you're a fan of Missing and Murdered, like we are, her home city's newspaper produced a similar podcast called Accused that she said is really great. Um, so I'm going to definitely check that out because hometown stuff's rad. 
That's so, awesome. And she had some yeah. other uh, questions that were are actually topical to what we're going to talk about today. So we'll get to, we'll address that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for writing in and giving us podcast recommendations or just feedback on the show. I, like we really we can't tell you guys how much we appreciate it, and uh, we read uh, we read everything. And it's so yeah. fun because everybody that has written us sounds super cool. Yeah. And like I totally know that if we hung out, we'd be best friends. So for sure. Or I hope so. Right. I'll be your best friend whether you like it or not. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, all right. So, so today. Wait, were we going to do Ostara or not? Are we going to do what? Oh, Ostara. Yeah. What did we do for Ostara? Tell me about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. Well, we went to a park. Yeah, we yeah. did. Well, we before we went to a park, we got we had some rocks and we drew some stuff on some rocks. Lily like didn't moons. go to the park with us because of babies. Yeah. I did not. That's okay. No. So we yeah we drew on rocks. We made like just different little witchy symbols. symbols. Yep, or and... some writing. Yeah, and then we also. What did you uh, use oh. to draw on the rocks? Markers, like a paint pen, a uh, yeah. sharpie oil pen. Yeah, okay. yeah. That was like your period blood. Yes, <laughs> that's no. a good idea. That would have been real freaky for little for kids. Children to find. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we also uh, drew on some eggs, like eggshells. And then we had one mm-hmm. uh, full egg, like regular egg, that we gave to this giant tree. Um, that yes, was at the park, this, the oldest tree in Plano. The oldest tree in Plano. We we like to call him King Tree because we feel like he is wearing a crown, or at least I I don't know. I'm calling him that. Are you calling him that? Yeah, yeah. We're both calling him King Tree. Is he wearing a crown of like leaves? Wearing a crown of thorns. Oh, like Jesus. Okay. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh how <laughs> appropriate. Not related to Ostara, but I was just at the grocery store a couple days ago, and the checkout girl was like. So, you got any plans for Easter? And I was not trying to be shitty or anything. Uh, Although, so, let's be real. Uh, sometimes I totally am. But um, I was like, do I have plans for Easter? No. Wait, I don't celebrate Easter. When's so, Easter? So, I seriously was like, no, I don't celebrate Easter. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I'm pretty sure she thought I was Jewish. But, um, uh, yeah. but well, anyway. Well, it's also Passover, so congrats. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> Way to not get murdered. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, that was funny. But back to Ostara. Yeah. So we drew on the rocks uh, before we left. And then we went to the park and we had the eggshells and the rocks. And we each placed the rocks or the half an eggshell or whatever, like in, I don't know, whatever. I placed it in places I thought felt kind of witchy. What about you? Yeah. Well, we put them in like little nooks in the trees. Right. And like around um, just the grassy areas too. Right. Like we found a full... Uh, few stumps that were pretty cool that looked like a pedestal for it like they're like here's a presentation of things to offer so they felt appropriate and we climbed on some trees that was oh yeah well you two did (laughs) yeah i didn't this old bag is not getting up in it well i could i could just saying totally could uh so who were the offerings for oh I mean, for me, I was offering I was offering it to the tree and the park and the spirits of the land there. Yeah. That was for that was what I was doing. For me, it was just for for spring, for everything blooming, for you know everything. I totally out. liked the idea of leaving the stones and stuff that because um, I wrote on some of mine. I wrote as above, so below, and also a witch who cannot hex, kind of heal. Right, and I 
was leaving the shells and stuff as as offerings to the park spirits and the tree spirits but the stones were kind of more for like people to find right because i like the idea of um uh in the fae community they call it glamour bombing but it's this idea of introducing magic into the world um because like i mean if you were a little kid and you found like a painted stone that said something witchy on it like i know i would be like goddamn out of my mind excited it would be like my <laughs> treasured object for it because it's a whole story like how right. did it get here what is it from like Who does it have powers this? is it like all of that and if someone that is not a whimsical child or cool person finds it and is like oh no some witches left some freaky shit in park that's even better i like that too yeah i'm still waiting because like there's the next door apps where you can like see oh, what I your know. neighborhood's saying and i'm really yeah. curious to whether there's some mom on there that's like oh my god there's witches in the neighborhood and it's like okay calm down yeah god I we're not turning no. your children um, they're just finding magical things yes later. but i i strongly yeah. believe that that like moment of Lily. surprise or serendipity or or whatever whether it's good or bad i think brings more magic into the world because it gets people using their imaginations uh, I have a friend who works in, like, the Parks and Rec Department in a different state, and he has to do, like, town hall-style things where they, like, say to the community, we're going to rebuild this park or this green belt or we're going to do this, and, like, they open it up as a discussion because they have to. Right. And he said that one of the things they were going to repair a green belt or something, and a couple old ladies were seriously very concerned that it would open up the area for Satanists to come in and do satanic rituals in the middle of the night at this park. And he had to sit, stand there and explain how he would keep Satanists out of the park to, like, make these little old ladies happy. Oh, my God. Wow. I bet that was yes. a crazy discussion. At Georgia. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm sure. I hope. God, I hope our rocks have hit next door. That would be great. Like, all of a sudden, our, our rocks are showing up in pictures on that stupid... Like, I have a love-hate relationship with that app because I think it's good, like, if I'm trying to be nosy or, like, if I lost my cat or, you know, whatever. Or like, if there's something going on, like, I guess sometimes the cops are, like, a few doors down and I would just like to know if, like, somebody got murdered next door to me or whatever. But, like, for the most part, it's people bitching about shit and yeah. I'm not a. I, I don't care. I just don't care if it's not hurting me. I don't care. It just seems like a lot of drama. And yeah, that's why right. I, I deleted it where I was like, I cannot yeah. deal with this much drama with people that live in my neighborhood. Cause right. Then I will actually punch them if I. I see feel them. like it's a lot of old people that just figured out how to use the internet. Yeah, it's a lot. It's <laughs> exactly the old nebnosy yeah. people that right. you would imagine that well, would but be talking also shit. The pet saviors, like all the people that are like, I found your dog. Or, yeah, that's awesome. Which is awesome. <laughs> I'm down with those people. If it was just full of those people, that would be fine. Although um, sometimes on mine, it's pretty good. Like there was somebody that started a thread about local honey. So that was helpful. Oh, yeah, we need that. Um, but then most people are just complaining about young teenagers of color walking by. Yeah. And they're like, there's suspicious people lurking around. Really? Is there? I'm like, they just got off the school bus. Yeah, they're not suspicious. Yeah, fuck you. Anyway. Anyway. So that's what we did. And it was really um I, I enjoyed going to that park. Oh, and then so right at the end, we decided we there's like this little tiny bridge and it's real not far off the ground and it's over like a dry bed. So it's like a bridge. An that, arroyo. Uh, yes, it, a bridge that doesn't make sense, really. I think somebody just wanted to put their woodworking 
skills to use. But we all stood on the bridge and the sun was almost all the way down and the moon was up. And we just kind of started saying some words. Yeah. We kind of, yeah, we did our like kind of round robin chant thing. I love it when we do that. We come up with awesome stuff where it's just whatever feels right. Um, Oh, and we also saw bats. (gasps) We saw bats. We did. They circled around us and all three of us squealed with delight and like said hi to the bats at the same time. When we spotted that, we're all like, hi. It was very, yeah. I used my best, my favorite murder voice. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. What happens when three goths go to the woods and see a bat? They sound like little anime characters. It felt very, uh, it felt right. Like we were supposed to see those bats or something. That was really, that was cool. I just love that it was, it was like right after like we finished putting up all the shells and the rocks and like little offerings. And then and the stuff. bats came. Yeah. yeah. Release the bats. Release the bats. Yeah. That was a pretty good Ostara thing to do. I liked, I liked that we actually went out and did something rather than, I mean, I always like it when we do something here too, but I think it was, it was good to have kind of a field trip yeah. uh, for this one. It felt pretty, it felt really good. I liked it. But speaking of like cycles and seasons and rebirth and and things, so today's topic and is, goths and goths. Today's topic, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about death because it's kind of been on, it's kind of been in our minds lately. I don't know how we got started talking about it, but it was you. It, it, was it me? Mm-hmm. I feel like it was Lily. No, you're talking about being a doula. I have been talking about being a death doula for some time now. I have not taken any action toward that. We were talking, we have a thread that we run between the four of us, and we were discussing, um, like, uh, uh, Scarlett and I are getting ready to go on this big trip, so I did some planning, and I made, like, a little uh, little binder with pertinent information in it should something, you know, knock on knock on wood should if anything happened to me or like i don't know maybe i'm you know thrown in a cambodian prison or something like that but like it has passwords and i should really say this on the internet it has all kinds of information that you might need if that person is inaccessible so everybody should have one of these regardless that's i mean take it from the survival master herself yes (laughs) it's a good plan it's a good plan it's not morbid it's just practical no, but it, there's also a section in the back where it has like my medical directive and uh, things I, I would want done, you know, if if I shuffle off this mortal coil and uh, and also like a, a letter. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast before that last year I wrote a letter that's like to all my really close friends and the people I love. That's like, here's what I you know wish for you or, you know, just like things that you maybe never told that person in life. I mean, hopefully you did. But like now they can read it and it's there forever. And you're supposed to update the letter like once a year. And um, there was uh, the only reason I came across that is I was on a website that was discussing death. And there is a I'll put the link up in the newsletter, but there is a letter that has prompts. So it's not like you're just making shit up, you know, on your own, although you could totally do that. But the letter has prompts and it helps you to answer some of the questions or like direct your writing in such a way anyway so i did that and so that letter exists and uh i wanted to get like cremation stuff on on online like get that moving before i went on this trip but i don't know that that's gonna happen but you know like if i had a will i'd put that in there too 
just basically your wishes and and things that somebody might need to know. Um, so that got us talking because uh, Scarlett was like, "Ooh, you should show us, you know, show us how to make this book or show us what needs to go in this book or show what you have in this book. And I was like, oh, I can do that. But it got us talking about the topic of death and why as a culture, especially here in America, we are so dead set on not, on not no, that was fun. Ha, 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 dead set. <laughs> but like, we do not talk about it. Um, like my parents didn't talk about it. Uh, I know a lot of other people that just do not talk about it, don't want to think about it. And I don't know about uh, everybody that's listening, but I think the four of us are quite a bit different in that regard is that we think we think about it a lot. We deal in the world of spirits a lot. So it's not something we're that goth we're, as fuck. we're goth as fuck. And it's not something we shy away from. In fact, like I know for my personal journey, I, I would like to be, you know, better friends with death. I mean, it's inevitable. And yet we spend so much time denying that it's ever going to happen. I think there's an element of uh, superstition, too, where people feel like if they're talking about it or thinking about it, that they're kind of inviting it in Mm. so it's like the more out of sight out of mind whereas i think magic wielders are more aware of how that sort of superstition arises or works or how you know so we're like less afraid of of uh accidentally inviting something in because we're actually like able to control those forces but um i think that might be part of it too is that people just feel like it's taboo well, so many people don't plan until they're on their deathbed. Like, they don't really make plans or talk about what their loved ones want. Because it's not just about planning my own death. It is something I talk about with my husband a lot. Because about once a year, we talk about it just to make sure our wishes haven't changed. Because I want to make sure I respect whatever wishes he wants and he respects whatever wishes I want. And and trying to also cope with what he wants, even if it's not what I want for him. Being because he wants to be on a body farm, like he wants his contributed to be on a body farm. And okay, I'm I'm cool with that, but at the same time, it kind of the I don't know. I I do want to like I want to be an organ donor, but I I guess part of me like knowing his body is on this farm, like just like being eaten by coyotes or bugs. Okay, kind of. I was gonna ask you like I don't know what that is, but it sounds it's a awesome. forensic research. They have yeah. one. It, there's one in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the biggest one because yeah. that's how we roll. <laughs> So wait, it's just bodies on a farm. Right. Yeah. So, well, they're, <laughs> they're in controlled environments. So they have ones that are just like completely exposed or they have ones that are like in a shelter or buried oh. so that forensic criminologists can study how the body decomposes. That's awesome. So then yeah. later they can learn things about if they find a body, they can figure out how long it's been there. Like there's forensic entomology, which is studying the usually the maggot cycle of like oh my god if, sign me if up. you have like live maggots on you you've been out there for this or that amount of time based on the season and yeah. the region and um stuff like that and then also um seeing how far bones can be scattered by animals oh, which helps people doing um body recovery yeah because then they kind of have a radius to work from um of what is feasible to have the bones spread so all kinds of really awesome um stuff about that helps um criminologists yes amazing which and it's it's super amazing and um and i imagine that they probably also use it to train dogs and stuff like that cadaver dogs blow my mind they're really fascinating dude 
So I anyway, yeah, to, oh. I think that's super rad. Yeah. I love it. Maybe if we can find some information out on that, we can put it up on the newsletter because I think that would be something that would be that would be interesting to a lot of people. Oh, dude, I met this girl at a party who is a forensic entomologist or she studied that. She's like a chef now, which is like nice. total 180. Yeah. She said the most hilarious thing to me. She was like, yep, I'm the only person that like can like you know bake a souffle and can tell you the age of a maggot from its ass end nice <laughs> i was like right we should get her on tell us about bugs and dead stuff lily <laughs> anyway huh are you there well what <laughs> i'm there yes yeah, <laughs> i'm just listening well okay so you said uh, that your dude guy wants to go on a body farm yes um let's just do you want to do like a round robin of sure. what what do you want to happen to your body okay well, I, I want to be cremated. I know that without a doubt. Like, I, I told him, cremate me, put me somewhere that's mountains near the ocean. Something beautiful, like Ireland. It doesn't have to be Ireland. Something like that, like Sedona, Ireland. So you want to be scattered? Yes, anywhere. Just don't hold on to me. I, don't, I want him to move on. Like, yeah. That's, that's what I want most is I want him to move on. So I want him to scatter me somewhere. I don't want to be buried. I don't want a grave. Like, I don't want a gravestone that he always comes back to. I just want him to move on. And if anything, remember me with a beautiful place. Oh, that's nice. And um, that's that's all I ask for. I joke that I want him to, if he does anything with people, like, to, like, just fill my urn, like, with a bunch of glitter. So when he scatters me, it's a surprise. But now everybody knows, so it's not going to be a surprise. Not a surprise. But, um, but yeah. It'll still be delightful. It will yes. be. I uh I don't know. I mean, I have always thought that I wanted to be cremated until I started reading this rad lady's website. Uh, it is called the Order of the Good Death, and that it is now. I don't know about every state, but she is a mortician in California, and it is legal to be buried in the ground without a casket. Like in your backyard, if you own your land or any land that is yours, you can be buried on. So I'm sure that probably varies by state. I'm sure it, it does. It has to do with sanitation, yes. like it going into the groundwater. Yeah, you can't. Like right. You can't just be plopping a body like, you know, just wherever. <laughs> so I don't know how I feel. I think probably, you know, just to avoid like legality issues, cremation is probably definitely the, the way I would want to go. But please check out Order of the Good Death. Uh, I think it's dot com because there's some really amazing um, imagery photos about just burying people in shrouds or, you know, having uh, like a like whatever kind of ceremony you want for closure for the dead. But basically she is uh, like reviving this movement that death is a transition and and can be a beautiful transition is there a term for that uh being buried outside of a casket not no embalming like green green burial yeah or, okay yeah yeah she also has a, a youtube series called ask a mortician that is hilarious yeah she's uh really interesting there's also a pbs documentary that was and her bangs are on point yeah her bangs are <laughs> awesome there's a recent documentary on pbs uh of course i'm not gonna know the name right now but it's about death. It aired on March 26th, and I will put that name in the newsletter as well because I watched about half of it, and I want to watch the rest of it. It's really, really well done. Um, and that is the end of my round-robin turn. Go, Lily. <laughs> 
Um, and that the Order of the Good Death Lady, she has a book called From Here to Eternity. Ooh. That's about different death rituals all around the world that she attended. And um, it's really, really good. I got it. Um, my Ooh. mom bought it for me for Christmas. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, uh, it's awesome. But uh, I want to be cremated. And I want to be cremated. I don't want my ashes spread. I want my family to keep them. Right. And to have them, like, basically be passed down, which is what I'm going to do with my father's ashes like i think that they should be that my family should keep them right and uh and worship you uh yes yeah keep the ashes and um it's funny my mom like for as long as i can remember she has been talking about that she has always wanted to be cremated like she's always talked about it yeah and not only does she want to be cremated she has always I made it very clear that we are to wear her ashes around our neck. Love it. In like little bottles. That's so awesome. That next to us forever. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's like, yeah. And she's always like half joking when she says it, but she's not half, joking. Like, no, seriously. Yeah. Wear my ashes around your neck in a little bottle. That's so funny. Cause that's so up your alley, but maybe not so much your siblings. <laughs> <laughs> like I would totally do it. I'd be like, "Yeah, mom, I'll wear your ashes around my neck forever." Uh, I think that's great. And you know she's not kidding. Like she's for real. No, she's not. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's she's totally for real. I mean, I would enjoy if somebody would do that, but it's hard when you don't have kids. So it's like, well, uh, I mean, <laughs> hi baby. <laughs> Baby's like, "Haha." <laughs> Baby's like, "I'll wear your ashes." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah you no, will. I'm I'm totally nursing right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Do your womanly things. Uh, so cremation for you as well. Yeah, I would want to be buried on ancestral land if I had ancestral Ooh. land. But here in the United States, like, we don't have... I mean, some people do, like... I can um, go get you some. Like, the old plantations and stuff. But, right. Yeah, if I had some ancestral lands that my family could always go back to and stuff. Right. But I don't. Yeah. What you got, Scarlett? Um, the thing I really like is they can take your ashes and compress it and make a diamond. That is a thing. Because it's can carbon. Al- they can also put it in a record, which I nope. I would like to be an album. That is that would so be hipster. Awesome. I love and, it. Um, no, it's not. It's before hipsters. I think that's cool. I, I mean, like it. Well, you're both it. wrong. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. <laughs> but what music would you do? Well, to? you can do. So it's varying price points. Funny you ask. So you can have like a song that already exists pressed for okay. cheaper. Or like if you're like, say your husband or your loved one or whoever has passed away is a musician, you can have their music. Oh, the, I know. Right. Super sad, but also super awesome. Yeah. But it's like fifty thousand dollars. So, Ooh. I mean, I mean, it may not be that much. Yeah. It was a lot. Like, it was like just disperse me. It it's was fine. more than I was willing to even remotely consider. Ooh, so. It'd be fun, though, to play it backwards and have a <laughs> seance. Yes. Scare your friends. Oh, yeah. I think just owning awesome. Oh, owning, my God. Owning record the album. something that like when played backwards will for sure say something freaky. <laughs> Yeah. 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 See, yeah. now you know what you want to do. Okay. Right? Strawberry fields backwards. You're all like, what the f-? Yeah, that, that does make it more appealing to me. However, I, I like the idea of being a diamond. Yes. It is my birthstone and yeah. it sounds cool. Yeah. I also like the idea of um, apparently they can like shoot your ashes into space. That would be awesome. So I like that too. So maybe I'll just do both. I'll be yeah. turned into a diamond and then shot into space. Yeah. On, the, on that PBS documentary, 
they actually go to a guy that's a that's a, a cryogenics plant where they are like cryo cryo freezing, freezing people. people for like a future day when they'll be able to unfreeze you and i'm kind of like how isn't do we that, know that that day will ever come? And isn't that selfish in a way? Like for me, I, I mean, maybe I not. Mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just saying I'm like, I lived my life. Right. Like I don't need to take up more space than I. And that's why I, if you want to be buried, I totally respect that. But I, I just want to be moved yeah. on. Like yeah. I don't, I think the only way I would want to be in the land is if they, my ashes were, I think there's a service that does it where like they, they'll put you into like a tree, like where you're yeah, planted. Sure. That's the only way that I want if I did get Well, like, and then if buried. you could just get buried without a casket like these green burials i mean your body will decompose quite quickly and i think that's beautiful because it's not like a casket taking up space right yeah yeah Yeah. why we buy these like fortress you know caskets so your body like your body's gonna decompose regardless and like the mausoleums like where you're like these you're in a building cemeteries and like we're running out of space yeah it's weird that's not my jam if anybody uh (laughs) If anybody watches a show called Father Ted, it's hilarious. It's Irish. But there is an episode where somebody has died and um, he's in the casket. And it's got like a fax machine. I mean, the show is from the 90s. But it's got like a fax machine in it so that people can like fax you messages while you're dead. Like, sorry, you died and stuff. And it was just like. (laughs) That's weird. And it like has like. Yeah, it has like this. um, Obviously, it's satirical. But it has like this. plate or this like computer on it that tells you how long you've been buried how like deep down your casket is and stuff and that's hilarious yeah because caskets are pretty useless with all those any bells and whistles if it's not just a box they're so expensive why do you need that i feel bad for people that i mean i guess it's it's whatever somebody wants but that is definitely not a thing that i want at all in the least well Mm -hmm. do you think that part of the reason why it seems like all of us are in consensus with cremation pretty much. And do you think that that's like a uniquely like kind of pagan? Because obviously with Christianity, there's the idea of like the last judgment and like you're literally rising out of your coffin and Ugh. like, oh. yeah. And then you become, yeah. I didn't know that oh, part. Yeah. I forget that part. Oh, yeah. yeah. But like, because that's why Catholics can't be cremated. I don't like that. Yeah. yeah. But we obviously huh. don't have that baggage. And also we, I think that we all kind of feel like our soul is not, not attached to yeah. our body so it's not so important what happens to the body because you're moving on well that's an interesting question that i kind of wanted to ask so what do you guys i mean look none of us really know but do you have any opinions or thoughts about what happens when you die but yeah let's let's answer this question now let's get it all settled let's <laughs> round, let's round robin the this question shit. that has plagued <laughs> mankind <laughs> since the dawn of consciousness now, like, that is the question what i'm saying is do you what do you have some thoughts not, well, i feel like not dan brown has already answered this amazing <laughs> question in his fabulous book uh what is it conversation the seven people you meet before god fuck that guy i mean why are you even bringing him <laughs> this up? is a whole rant i have i hate dan brown no not dan brown um uh, although mm-hmm. i hate him too the guy that wrote tuesdays with maury mitch oh, mitch yeah. whatever the fuck fuck that, that guy yeah. he's a hack <laughs> dude he was a fucking sports writer and he wasn't even good at that okay anyway I have, I have a lot to say about that but that's not what we're talking about now no it's okay she's got hot sports opinions about i got hot takes on everything hot y'all. takes on authors but 
I mean, okay, so I was just talking about this with my hairdresser this morning. So a good person to talk about. I mean, we talk a lot about all kinds of shit. But basically, like, I feel like like I, I don't necessarily say spirit, but like the energy that is that are my loved ones that are deceased or dead. Cause I don't like to like say other words other than dead because dead is what happens. Um, dead is what happens. I think their essence <laughs> and energy is still here. Like, I'm not saying like th- they're, they're in a spirit form. I mean, maybe. And sometimes I think their energy can inhabit like animals or other beings maybe. Cause I feel like, uh, I have one loved one that I see in the form of a cardinal and another that I see in the form of a blue jay. And Scarlett always says your yard has more card- oh. cardinals and blue jays than anywhere else in the city. Which- I've seen more of those two birds in your yard on Sunday afternoons for D- Dungeons and Dragons than I have seen all year. Yeah, they 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 are there at a pretty frequent uh frequent pace there's a lot of birds is what we're saying is what we're saying especially those two i mean i feel like energy hangs around i feel like the essence of that person is still with me and even if it's just something i'm saying in my mind to make myself feel better like it does so (laughs) so i mean i don't know if my energy will hang around but i hope so and even if not that's okay too that's what i feel that's real. That's like that's just like the basics. Not even gonna go into anything else deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't believe like in a heaven and hell. Right. Uh, you oh. know, and growing up being taught that and like that guilt of like if you don't if you're not good and if you're not a good Christian if you're not saved you're gonna go to hell, and then dealing with that, um, and then having people tell me when they find out I'm not Christian anymore, where they're like, well, aren't you scared you're gonna go to hell? And I'm like, no, that's not that's not that's that's your belief right um and it that was always the thing that kind of qu- made me question christianity to begin with was the whole heaven and hell debate that i couldn't believe that my muslim friend was going to hell or my atheist friend was going to hell right so really death did influence that of like i don't believe when i die that i don't believe there's a hell i believe you're just there's an like you said an energy that goes somewhere else like that turns into something else i mean I'd like to think that like reincarnation was real. Right. Like, there, it, my mom has told me something that I said as a kid that was really creepy. Ooh. Um, that for the longest time made them question Christianity too, where they were like, wait, what? Um, because uh, I told them when I was a little kid, I was like, I don't remember how old, like four or five, um, where they were passing through a neighborhood and I was like, that's my old house. And they're like, sweetie, we've never lived there. And I was like, yes, I used to live there with my other parents. And they're like, what? I was, and then I said the names and my parents work. I work too. Um, my family works in a business where you can look up who lives where, like you can look up the owners of a house. And apparently like the names, the first names that I said were their names. <gasps> okay. Goosebumps. What? How have I never and heard this story? Yeah. Yeah. It tripped my parents oh, wow. out. And like my mom told me uh, when I was older where she told me about it, she was like, you know, you, you've always made me wonder about whether reincarnation is real because of that. Oh, my and God. I want to research this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Ugh. part of me wonders. And I think even if there is reincarnation, like I, I don't think it's forever, like just eternally reincarnated. I think maybe sometimes we do come back because if we don't have something finished or yeah. something, but 
you know, I don't really know because I don't have all the answers. Obviously, no one does. Right. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't mind that, but I would want to eventually my energy to move on in some way and sure. just be embodied in something else, whether it be animal, tree. It'd be space. cool if your energy could be like could be in all kinds of things like it like maybe a bird one day and a fish the next i want to be an octopus (laughs) i mean it would just be cool if i used to think when i was a little bit younger i thought well wouldn't it be awesome if whatever everybody believed was true for them i mean you know like if you believe in heaven and hell great then that's your thing if i believe that my energy just hangs around and turns into things or whatever awesome for me and i think i feel like that doesn't really further the conversation or end the question but like i'm fine with all of that i don't i mean i think in to some degree maybe that could be the case in terms of if if you strongly believe something if there is an afterlife and there's some sort of free will or choice involved then what you are expecting it to be would influence how that would unfold for you like if you have an expectation of reincarnating maybe that would make it more likely that that would be an option for you as opposed to if that's not something that you grew up with that then your spirit once disembodied would be less likely to want to do that i I mean i don't know i don't know interesting though but i i can see that that there would be some actual logic to not just like oh i hope everyone goes where they want to go you know (laughs) i mean that's kind of where i'm at with it though (laughs) but like there's some actual logic that like as a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're expecting one thing like if you're on your deathbed and you see the arms of jesus waiting for you then rad right yeah i i I wish everyone could have what they're what they want yeah I mean, it'll be the last time. I mean, we not get everybody. To, it'll be the yeah, last time we get to have assholes. what we want. So, Lily, what do you think? Oh shit! I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're too busy making things that are alive to That's think right. about things that are dead. Well, actually, okay, hold on. But like, where do you think that uh, the Babella's souls came from? Like, did you Ooh. do you feel like you know, like they obviously have distinct personalities already, and um. Like, and did in the womb even yeah she made those oh yeah she made them i mean i don't know not to get like super weird and poetic but i think that um i made their souls like i feel like i mean this is gonna get super poetic Good. i feel like whatever souls are made of like i reached out into the cosmos with my lady parts and made them that's awesome did you ever have have a feeling of them maybe being between, like between the worlds, like it, as a as a process of like this chrysalis of like a, metamorphosizing into a, a human soul? That that being like a process as opposed to like bippity boppity boo. There's like a soul in your tummy now. <laughs> I mean, I think that that is just all of pregnancy, like everything that you and uh, go through if it's something that you want to experience because I think that you could very easily like not experience that part of it or just kind of like ignore it or um, you know but pregnancy for me was a really spiritual experience in a lot of ways and I don't think it's that for everybody and that's okay and um, but for me it was so I think that it was just the whole process of being pregnant cool that's awesome. Yeah. What, so, what do you do? You have do you have uh, do you have an opinion on 
what might happen when you when you shuffle off? I mean, I think that I, I think that the my uh, family and ancestors stick are sticking around, but it's hard for me to say if they exist outside of me because I have right. their chromosomes and cells and genetics and things like that and memories that keep them alive inside of me. Right. And so it's hard for me to say if they exist outside of my experience or not. Right. That's but I don't a good think point. That that's really important to it. Right. Yeah. I kind of like that idea too. Like, I don't know if it, I don't know if my, you know, if, if things really exist outside of me or what I'm making it into me, but, but like you said, that's not really of importance to me. Mm-hmm. This could all be the matrix, man. Right. Yeah. It's all, all yeah. a simulation. Um, I mean, I definitely think that there's something beyond the mortal reality, um, just because from a scientific standpoint, like consciousness is electrical impulses and stuff. So yeah. if your if your hardware gets unplugged, it doesn't work anymore, but there's still that energy that's coming from the power plant from the outlet. Like that goes somewhere. So the thing I think I, I think a lot about is if I were not in a human body with a human mind that is wired a certain way, um, how would I experience the universe? Because I can only see the visible light spectrum. I can't see an infrared. I can't see ultraviolet. I can't sense magnetic waves. Um, I, I can't consciously um, detect pheromones. I can't, um, I can't sleep with only one hemisphere of my brain like a dolphin. What? <laughs> like, I can't. Um, like, there's just so many, so many things different ways of thinking and being and, and other, right. and you know, I don't have echolocation. Like I don't have x-ray vision. Like, um, and, and just the way like our eyeballs work because we are, um, semi predators. Like we're good at, um, uh, we want to organize things. We like lists. Um, we see in color. Uh, so, so things that are bright, uh, are naturally, and, um, because we need a lot of water and we like sparkly things like things that are sparkly they think that that's an instinct from from water seeking strategies mm. so your brain is wired as like a, a monkey to to seek out water so you just like things that are sparkly because they look, look like, like water, water. Huh. so just like all kinds of like dogs for example um see things better that are when they're in motion because they're used to like chasing small prey so things that are staying still are not as important to them. Right. So they have trouble like focusing on them and just things like that, that um, just weird ways that our brain works that has to do with the hardware is so limiting. Like there's so many other ways that the universe is, you know, so many other dimensions. Like what if right. you saw time as, as a malleable dimension? Like, so if I were free from the constraints of the biology of how my body works, I would, I would really experience the universe differently. So I yeah. think, so I try to refrain from anthropomorphizing uh, spirits of humans that have passed on because even if that is a self-contained being, mm. th what their priorities and their experience and their sense of scale and everything is going to be so different than 
than what a human with human eyeballs and and human ears and everything else can perceive. So I I I'm suspicious of uh I'm not I think that reincarnation is possible. I've had some experiences that feel like that and there are other explanations for that. Um I think that if reincarnation is a thing, it's a lot more complicated and messy that it's not your personality gets plopped into a body. It's like parts of you mixed up with new parts or other parts and whatever. And I mean, also there's like the genetic um, legacy of, of your code that is passed down from generation to generation that stays intact. So is there a spiritual analog to that physical mm. code? Like, Probably, I mean, the ways that you are connected to your they they've done studies now saying that um, people that experience like extreme trauma, um, their DNA changes in terms of I mean, it doesn't literally change. It changes in terms of what genes are um, activated or not. Hmm. So it's still the same code, but it has to do with the expression of the genes. But anyway, um, that they will pass on the expression of those genes to their children. So that data gets coded. And it gets passed down genetically, uh, like a, an emotional experience will be passed down. So anyway, that Fascinating. I, I try to think of it very much in, in terms of science. But um, I think that's one reason why I don't fear death, because I'm like, oh, my God, it could be awesome. I want to I want to be an octopus. But also, like, I don't have any I don't have any preconceived notions of of like me being able to have the like kind of like you said, I don't know that I'll have the same consciousness I, I, in fact, I doubt I will. Like, I doubt that, like, me, Blackbird, as a thinking, I, it's not going to be like that. Like, I'm not going to be aware like that. I don't know. Does well, that make sense? Oh, yeah. It makes sense. I well, mean, I, selfishly, like, I, I like to romantically think I could find, like, like my look down husband from the again yeah. and, like, find him in the next life. Like, I'd, sure. I'd like that. Yeah. But that's not what I believe. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily know. is how it all works. Even though I like to think about it, that that could, could be one of the million of possibilities of what happens after death. Right. Or um, even if it were possible, if you are an immutable, infinite, you know, immortal consciousness, finding that one person that you spent like a fraction of that time with would maybe not be important or wouldn't mean the same thing that it would to you now like it would it would be a different experience anyways it's not like you're just a ghost floating around like yeah. well yeah, that, like that's taking away the romantic side yes. of yeah the, love like what I, I don't saying. know that I'll yeah like I, do, I, I don't imagine that I would have the same consciousness at all as, right. as I do right now and I, I kind of imagine that maybe there's a spectrum which is sort of more of like my tantric way of thinking that like consciousness is the universe it's right. what it's made out of it is what god is and we're all made of that just yeah. the way that the universe is made of matter and antimatter and energy so you know just like gravity causes some celestial bodies to like glom together and hold and like have a defined shape and orbit and generally have structural integrity some things, you know, blow up, fall apart, supernova. So I think that f various conditions could cause a disembodied spirit to rejoin the all and just mm. be dissolved into it, which is in several different religions, the goal. Or, you know, you could 
it could cause it to be kind of in an in-between state where it has is an expanded consciousness but still retains some egoic qualities or you know you could just maybe be like a little casper the ghost hanging around watching earth stuff i don't i mean i don't know also i believe in aliens so that tends to throw a monkey wrench in the ideas about like reincarnation and yeah. general unless stuff. you're reincarnated from an alien i mean awesome. unless scientology <laughs> i mean i'm just saying so you're saying you're not scared of death but right isn't that what yeah. you just said so i'm excited for me i'm not scared of my own death like that doesn't scare me i've never been scared of that but i'm scared i've had a hard time dealing with the fear of losing loved ones like that's always been a struggle for me where uh you know there's nights where i have like these night terrors of losing my husband um and that probably comes from losing my father but that the, having that I, I don't know how to explain it really, but just that, that terror of like, Oh my God, what would I do with myself? Like if, I, if, if I lost him and sometimes I, I experience that with other ones like my mom, because after losing my dad, I was terrified of losing my mother and dealing with that fear. So how do y'all deal? So are you scared of losing loved ones or are you just not scared of death in general? Oh, I didn't, I am scared. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I'm not, <laughs> I wouldn't say I am scared, but I think it's why I'm seeking out to be like maybe a death doula or I'm looking to have a better relationship with death. It's not that I am petrified, but I come, I live in a culture and I come from a family who did not talk about death, like just didn't talk about it. In fact, used euphemisms like passed on or passed away, but never, never just died. I am... Yes. So when I used to drink, I would lay awake every night and think about all the people that would die and how my dog would die and how my cat would die. And what? yeah. Oh, this is what I did. This is why. I mean, I called myself a quote unquote insomniac, but really I was just like smoking clothes, <laughs> making lists of who's going to die. I was just making uh, matters way worse for myself. I mean, I could have just gone to sleep thinking of things I was fucking grateful for instead of thinking of, you know, what's going to happen when, you know, all these people I know and love and my dog and everybody dies. I mean, it was... And what did your brain come up with? I mean, it, I just, it was like an endless loop. It was awful. It was really a terrible way to live for like 30 fucking years. I mean, it was a long time that I did this like pretty much every night for all of my life. How I ever like fell in love or had relationships or anything is beyond me because how how do you move past that gripping fear i don't know what changed i mean first of all not drinking helped but i think just my idea of like caring about myself and like giving a shit how i felt every day kind of like changed my perspective to say hey you don't have to go to sleep and think of these things now I'm not saying I never do it anymore. I mean, there are times where the the spiral just goes out of control and I'm down that rabbit hole again, but it's not very often anymore. And I mean, my dog did die and that sucked and I made it through and I have lots of friends that supported me and my husband supported me and everybody's okay. And I miss that dog all the time. But like, I still feel like that dog's energy is still with me. And, um, and then I then my dad died and that was I think it's an interesting topic to talk about because I didn't have that great of a relationship with my father uh whereas I know um 
a couple of us had really great relationships with our dads, but mine was not that. And uh, I did a lot of my grieving before he actually died because he was uh, very sick for probably six months leading up to his death. But um, it's it's hard because you want to feel like everybody else feels when somebody dies. You want to feel uh, the the extreme sadness and grief. And I think... I had already felt a lot of that because I had watched him get so sick. Uh, I think when he was actually gone, the biggest thing I felt was relief. And I know that's fucking really hard to say out loud. And it wasn't just, I mean, it was a lot of relief for him because he was in a lot of uh, physical discomfort, uh, mental discomfort, but also relief for, for me too, because it was quite a job to manage or to try and manage like his illness, my, my mother's anxiety and like my kind of not really all the way estranged, but like fucked up relationship with both of them. It was a lot to deal with. And, um, and once he died, it was like, well, okay, now we can start dealing with your relationship with your father. It's kind of a strange way to like, figure out that you have shit to work on about your familial relationships, wait until they're dead. But it wasn't like waiting. It was just like, Oh, well now I realize why I do certain things I do. And here's this relationship that wasn't so great. Let's examine it. So. But I mean, you were saying that you, you feel like you interact with your father now and that in some ways your relationship is stronger. Yeah, that's true. So, um, kind of getting back to, Jay's question um, I think that since all of us do spirit work that that maybe influences why we would feel less completely destroyed if someone obviously you miss the person sure you miss like doing human people things with them but knowing that they are around or that you can contact them or interact with them or that they're not they're, 100% gone. Yeah, that, right. that that is some comfort. Yes. As opposed to just thinking that they are completely like phone off the hook, incommunicado, you will never see them again. And I think it's why I even consider working on that relationship still. Because I think a lot of people, once somebody dies, you think your work with that relationship is over. You know, that person's gone. What's the point? But I do feel like he is in some way still here. And I not only owe it to myself, well, I owe it mostly to myself to work on that relationship and to, you know, dig a little deeper and find out, you know, what it all means. But right, like, I am not, oh, I'm not shunning his energy. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. I, I respect that he mm -hmm. is here and he was my father and he loved me in whatever way he could. And, and that's where I'm at. I don't know. It's a process, but I'm still going through the process is the point. Like just because he died, it didn't end. And you working on a relationship. Like I like, I just love the way you phrased it about working on a relationship because even if we're all crazy and there are no spirits yeah. and you're just interacting with kind of your projection or your memory of him right. or sort of this personification of those experiences, that's still really valuable work to do for yourself. So it, I mean, obviously the whole point of this conversation is to talk about like what we think actually happens when you die. But I think it's important to remember that there are a lot of ways to work with the dead or think about the afterlife where 
even if you're totally wrong and just making it all up, if it's if it's a useful tool for you to process stuff or like work through your own things, then that that's helpful. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's real or not. Yeah. Does anybody else want to talk about their experiences with uh, close loved ones or any uh, close loved ones or anything or just other thoughts? Um, My question was going to be, has the death of a loved one, specifically y'all three share um, fathers that passed away. I mean, you don't share the same father, but you share that (laughs) common experience. Um, And do you think that your practice has changed because of that or deepened or stayed the same or do you think that your practice influenced how you process those events that you might not have you know say five ten years ago um so i definitely think that the way i responded to my dad passing away was affected uh by my practice i think it would have been i mean it i don't know if it would have been harder or easier but it just would have been different if this had happened five even just five years ago I think my response to it would have been a lot different because I see with my because my dad um had a basically heart failure in the front yard of the house that I grew up in and so when I go back to that house not only is it like I feel my dad there for a lot of reasons. Um, but I feel him there. Like all his stuff is still there, but I have all these memories of him. And beyond that, I just feel him. And I think my mom and sister who still live in the house and who are still there all the time are, and who miss his physical presence more say that they don't feel him at all. And, um, I think that I can feel my dad Uh, his presence still a little bit more or a little uh, easier than my mom and my sister can. And again, like that's for other reasons too. My sister was the one who was with my dad when he did pass away. So she's got a whole slew of like survivor's guilt that she has to deal with that she has not dealt with. That is totally off topic. But um, I think that my dad passing away, because the grief that I had experienced before my dad dying was, um, I mean, I had had like great grandparents pass away and, oh, sorry, Blackbird, I'm using the term pass away. And not oh, no, it's dead. okay. I wasn't trying. <laughs> I feel bad because I feel like I made a judgment on that and I don't mean to. No, it's okay. Um, I guess it's just because that's what I'm used to saying. Right. But, um, and I mean, there's grief that goes along with like, my great uncle passing away who I knew like there's a grief that goes along with that but the profound grief that comes from losing someone that you are truly close to in is like nothing else compares to that grief like that grief is so life and world altering that it can't help but affect everything else in your life and your spiritual practice included so I think that um, it, it, my dad passing away definitely affected my spirituality and it made me feel like I need to get closer to my um, Italian heritage because my dad was a 
Italian, uh, Italian American, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. And I feel like a, this need to get closer to my Italian heritage now to like further strengthen like my connection to him uh, through that. So did I answer the whole question? There's a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I had one follow up question. So when you kind of started, when we started doing Uncoven together, the thing that you gravitated towards immediately was sort of your heritage, like Nordic and Italian and ancestor worship, like not literally worshiping them, but the anthropological term of having shrines, like inviting them in, feeling that you interact with them, um, doing domestic things that reminded you of them. So when you were faced with a very harsh reality of including your father in those practices, did it feel natural? Did it feel like a challenge? Did it feel too raw at first? Like, I mean, it was almost kind of like you were practicing for this, this to be a, a thing that you would continue on with, with closer and closer family members um, when it started off with people that maybe you didn't really know so well, um, like your, your, uh, Oma and stuff. Well, I think that if I hadn't already been, like you said, kind of practicing that it would have been, I probably would not have the kind of relationship with my the spiritual relationship with my dad that I have now, because I think that that would have been too much because at the beginning it was really raw and I worked on creating like a, a shrine in my house for him and this whole wall with him. And now I'm to the point, like it's been a year and a half where like I just talked to him and um, like he's there and I feel like, I mean, he is there, he can hear me. And, um, but yeah, I think that if I hadn't, had already been laying that groundwork that this I, I wouldn't be at in the place where I am now which mm -hmm. I guess is a really broad statement for everything ever but uh, no but that yeah. totally makes sense and like I like because I think I, I've said before that when I um, like when I make my uh, great-grandma's um, uh, pasta sauce recipe like I like I feel like she's there with me and like when I burn when I burnt it before like I feel like she's there like being like I told you to watch it because there have been times when I've just let it go and I've been like oh it's just simmering and I can hear like and I feel like it's not just simmering Angela you need to go check on it and then I'm like no it's fine and I go in and it's burnt <laughs> and um she's like you should have fucking listened and I'm like I know I should have fucking listened and um but I feel that way with with dad like I'll like I can hear him saying, you know, you like not as like an actual voice, but like you need to do this. And I'll be like, no, I'm fine. I don't need to do that. And I hear him respond like, no, you need to do this. I'm like, fuck. I have that same I thing, need to do this. especially with yeah. shit with my car, like same my man. tires or something. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Fuck. My car. Yeah. My dad is yeah, right my, there going. My yeah. Dad is all over the fucking car. But like <laughs> yeah. with my <laughs> with my daughters now, like, um, I, it is not a priority and this is terrible of me it's not one of my priorities for them to um get to know my husband's family which is terrible of me yeah. and it should be one of my priorities but um 
I can hear my dad, like my, like when I, when I had that thought, like when I realized that it wasn't a priority of mine, when I had that like conscious realization, he was right there saying like, that's your family. And no matter what, like, and I, and I responded, I was like, that's not my family. And he was like, that's your, your daughter's family. And I could hear him being like, that's like your blood and him, like exactly what he would say and think in that like situation and chastising me. Wow. That's things. pretty, yeah. that's pretty raw. That's cool. Yeah. It's intense. <laughs> because, um, and not to just like drone on and on about my dad, no, but like, okay. the experience we haven't had my... you on the show in forever. <laughs> we miss you so much. <laughs> uh, my experience with my dad passing away, it, he was diagnosed with cancer in May, was told he was cancer free in July and died in September. So it was this like really quick process where all my grief had, like there was a, a grief that happened when we found out that he had serious cancer, but then that it would all, it all went away because they said they declared him cancer free. And then he died from something that was completely different. Yeah. Two months afterwards. So there was no, all the grief that I did has all been after he passed away. Yeah. And I think that it's, not and I think it's just a different process you know yeah. than maybe what you went through Blackbird yeah 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 I had the same experience where we thought he was going to recover you know we we thought we had several more years and then uh same thing cancer and yet he, his heart failed mm. and uh I think that that it didn't give us a chance to grieve until after um because I was I was there and it took me a while to get that out of my head of what of seeing him die um and in learning to handle that grief um and do it internally because i was too busy taking care of my mom being there for my mom and putting an armor on to make sure she was okay and putting right. her health mm-hmm. mental health first that i didn't really grieve until four or five years later really until really working with you guys has helped me um, finding a spirituality and a way to deal with it has helped me um, learn to deal with it and not just bottle it, bottle it inside and push it away, which is what I did where I'm just like, no, you focus, you take care of your mom, you do this, you just, you got to stay busy and you're too busy to grieve yourself is how I dealt with it for so, so many years until it just started to kind of haunt me at night. And now I finally feel like I've learned to handle that where I'm not having nightmares or seeing that in my head when I go to sleep of you know reliving that over and over again and now I'm finally at peace with it and actually able to like really talk to my dad and honor him and um you know where it makes me happy talking to him like when I'm working in the yard or working on the car um those kind of things are times where I feel like I'm starting to connect with him now rather than pushing it away and pretending that didn't happen for me right but yeah, I wasn't a witch when he died, but now, now I, I mean, you were, you just didn't know. You were I didn't always know a witch. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, over, you know, the past few years, I've learned to kind of deal with death because I've kind of had to, because we've had a lot of death in the family. Um, within a five year span, we lost my dad, my grandmother and my mom's sister. So my mom lost three people close to her and um, dealing with that and helping my mom through that and helping her grieve. I think has I've I don't know if you really get better at it, but I feel like I've mm-hmm. now know how to handle it and how to emotionally keep myself mentally 
healthy through that when in the beginning after losing my dad I wasn't healthy I was getting terribly drunk and just staying so busy and kind of isolated myself from my friends and everything Um, I left derby I left a lot of things and then now I finally have come to a place where I'm like no this is something as you get older you have to deal with death more you're going to lose people and I need to know how to health like deal with it in a healthy way yeah I think there's definitely something to be said for really take taking care of yourself by letting yourself grieve and I mean I know that I, I I mean I had the same thing where after my dad died it was like into help mom mode you know there was no time to be super sad or to explore that relationship at all during the first few weeks because it was just like okay make sure she has enough money to live make sure she's gonna be okay I mean make sure she's not gonna you know fall off into a deep depression I was way more concerned about other people's reactions than my own but I think the the further I get away from that, I'm glad I did try to tackle my own feelings and grief pretty quickly after that. Like after help mom mode kind of, you know, subsided, I really did try to start looking at my own feelings because I think the sooner the sooner we start exploring those feelings and really letting ourselves feel them, the sooner we can move on to having you know, for what it's worth, a productive relationship with whatever idea of the deceased is. Yeah, I think that, I mean, a lot of people's grief um, seems to come from a place of of what was left unsaid, like regret in terms of I wish I had said this or that or I wish they had said this or that to me, you know, and so to have the option of working with a spirit even if they're as disembodied and kind of vague um, as you want to imagine them, or even just to see them as sort of an archetype or, or as a, as a sort of projection of your own memories is, is such a relief, right? Because it's not final that there are still conversations that can be had that you don't have to tear yourself apart about stuff that you didn't get to say or things that you wish you had explained or conversations that you wish you would have had, you know, to, to repair things that that's still an ongoing conversation that you can have instead of it just being like, you know, so that's helpful for strained relationships or even relationships that were great because then of course you miss them. So to know that you have that as, as an ongoing option, I think is a relief. Yeah. Something that I would like to share with everybody because I'm going through this eight week, um, uh, suicide survivors group for my brother-in-law that uh, completed suicide a, a little over a year ago. Uh, something that uh, there it exists. It's another letter with prompts that says, you know, you know, my best memory of you is my, you know, my hardest time with you was if I could say one thing. Like, there's a lot of like prompts to help you write this letter, but I would highly recommend that exercise for not just suicide, but for the loss of a loved one, I think writing out our feelings really gets them out of just the physical space of our head and like lets the emotion move through you. So I, I recommend that exercise completely. Um, I have a quick question about something you just said that people might not be familiar. You said, uh, completed suicide. Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah. So it's, um, in our culture, we've always, you know, you've heard the term committed suicide. 
And really, people that are doing work uh, in suicide crisis really want to change the, di- the, the dialogue with that because it makes it sound like that person is a criminal. Yeah, they, you like commit, commit a crime. crime. Right, exactly. So they're really trying to move the language away from that because I think we, we already have such a conflicting view of suicide because of religion and because of the language we use around it um really many people that commit sorry i just did it many people that complete suicide are uh are are people that have mental health issues and and are Mm -hmm. in such a and it's it's you know it's this is a whole separate topic but it's such a hard thing for uh survivors to get over the anger, the guilt, uh, and all those feelings that they're really just trying to change the language to make it not sound like this person is, is you know, committing a crime or is doing something that, that they should be punished for. Uh, I think it's found, it's been very helpful, I think, with other people of the group, especially older people. Now they don't necessarily, like, start changing their language automatically but it shifts the it shifts the blame like there's no blame you know this person had mental health issues it's not you know it's it's yes you're gonna maybe feel angry and you're maybe going to blame them but if we kind of treated it differently as a culture it might not be that way yeah i think using like criminal language is is real strong yeah um uh i had one last question kind of a little bit of a tangent, but since we got off talking a little bit about ancestor worship and working with um, loved ones that are passed away, uh, one of the emails that we got had uh, this question that I thought would be cool to ask you guys. Um, She says, it would be interesting to discuss on the podcast um, how to approach ancestor veneration when the family you know and the family you've heard stories about aren't really great people. Are there pitfalls or concerns y'all have encountered and overcome in your progression through ancestor work? I can speak to this a little um, just because I have a really like not close relationship with most of my extended family or ancestors. Like basically my grandparents beat the shit out of both of my parents and probably did with all of their children. My father is from a family of nine so I think all the kids got beat. I think their parents might like my grand, my great grandparents were the same and it was handed down generation after generation. Now, neither of my parents beat me, but I don't have a real close relationship with all of that because I don't want to. Now, that being said, I do have some feeling like my grandmother on my father's side was a great baker. And I know that's where I get it from. I know that I I feel her when I am rolling out dough. I feel the good parts of her. Like, I um, feel parts of my grandfather when I'm growing vegetables. So, like, there are good elements that I can take with that. Doesn't mean I'm making a shrine. Doesn't mean I'm necessarily practicing ancestor or even, like, extended family, deceased loved ones veneration. Probably not. Um but I also like that's not really necessarily my jam just because I have that kind of relationship. Now, somebody like Lily, who has stories passed down over time. I mean, like 
you can speak to that, Lily. Like that's a completely different thing. Like you may have some not great stories, but they're all still part of your family. Yeah, I was thinking specifically like with this question of my mother's father, my uh, grandpa, who was not a like a very nice man and he was very selfish and he kind of like fucked up my uh all of his children in different in their in his own like different ways. He had four daughters and he um he was just not a nice person and um i it's it's kind of hard with him because he wasn't really a big part of my life ever and my mom had a lot to do with that and he had a lot to do with that too i think that if he'd come back and wanted to repent and wanted a relationship with his grandchildren my mom would have um allowed that to an extent but he he died thinking that everybody was mean to him basically Mm. um and uh, that he was like this real put upon martyr, which was uh, not the case um, as the rest of the world sees it. But with my grandpa, like thinking about my daughters, I'm not going to erase his name from like my family tree. I'm not going to do like the family black thing from Harry Potter and uh, (laughs) get rid of him off of the family tapestry in the room. But, um, uh, He's not, like, I'm not going to, I don't say his name, you know, on, uh, I don't deny that he existed or that he was my grandfather, but I don't say his name on um, Fallon or on um, other special nights. Like, when I pour out a drink, I don't pour it out for him. And I think that eventually, if no one tells your story, you ju- you just kind of fade away, and I think that that's what's going to happen with him eventually. That he's just going to fade away, and I feel no obligation to. I'm not going to deny him. Like if somebody asked me, like, "Is this guy your grandpa?" I'd be like, "Yeah, that's my grandpa." But um, I'm not going to go out of my way to tell his stories and to say his name in the way that I go out of my way to tell stories and to say the names of my other uh, family members. Right. But, yeah. So, but it's kind of a, a different situation. Like, he wasn't abusive to me. Maybe if he he wasn't um, a direct factor that made my life hard, and maybe if he had been, I would feel more strongly about maybe I would want to erase him from the family tree. Right. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have an interesting perspective on it because I am adopted so I have the family that I know that is my family that raised me um so I am a big fan of nurture over nature I think that you have things in common and bonds with your family because they earned your respect and you've you've had these moments with them that you shared and the things you have in common with them are things that they fostered in you and you chose to embrace not that you were just your robot that's programmed with these people's DNA and it's inevitable that you act a certain way or like the things you like or have the life that you have. Um, so I have kind of begun to reach out to one branch of my, I know one biological um, set of great grandparents through DNA and they're um, Polish Slovakian 
um, from that border. So I've become interested in that. But um, one thing I like to keep reminding myself is to not idealize them because I have no idea who these people are and I have no one to ask. So it's really easy to think that they were like super swell, romantic, great, witchy people. They could have been complete fucking assholes. Whereas with the family that I know, both of my parents are really interested in genealogy and like have lots of heirlooms and and love to talk about these characters of extended family, great aunts, great, great grandparents, things like that. So I know if those people were jerks or not, like I know who was cool that I would want to reach out to. Um, so I, I, I think that that's something interesting to think about, too. You're not obligated to love someone just because you're blood related to them. Right. That That's a relationship that has to be earned and it goes both ways. So just because someone is your elder and they're they're related to you biologically does not mean that you are connected to them, that you have anything in common. And the flip side of that, which is really great, is that there's a whole world of people that are family that don't have to be biologically related to you, that you are close to, that you will remain connected to um, in this life and beyond uh, because that they they fostered that relationship with you and you reciprocated and you did so of your own free will. So that's a great point, because I like I was Mm going to say to the the person that wrote the email like I venerate my senior high school English teacher because she that's my family. So you don't just because it's your biological family and you don't have that great of a relationship with it. Pick other ancestors, man. Yeah, it's you don't okay. have to feel guilty. You're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, your story is yours and it doesn't have to include or or exclude anybody that you you don't want in it. So right on. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, if there's anything on this, like that anybody wants to ask us about this topic, I mean, I think yeah. we covered a lot of ground, but if there's something got it all figured know, out, I mean, we don't have it all figured out at all. But <laughs> if you have thoughts, opinions, hot sports takes, all of those things, please send <laughs> an email to uh, hexratedpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on yep. Instagram at hexratedwitches. You can find mm-hmm. us on Facebook at fucking, I don't even remember, Hex Rated Witches Podcast? Hex Rated. I don't know. Just It's yeah. not the music group. It is the witches. It's, like, it'll it's be real obvious. Pretty obvious, yes. <laughs> it is. Write us and tell us how much better this episode is because Lily was on it. Yay! <laughs> We're so glad to have you back, Lily. We're glad we figured out this phone situation. Technology. Yay! Yay! All right, well, um, stay tuned for the newsletter that will come out on the 13th. As always, we'll have some linkities up in that regarding some stuff we've talked about. And thanks again to our listeners for writing in. And uh, until next time, Hocus Pocus, pocus, bitches. Yeah. (laughs) Should we do that one more time? Let's do it again. One, two, three. Hocus Pocus, bitches. bitches. (laughs) (laughs) You have like a slight delay. Slight there delay. is. It's weird. It's weird. She I just like wants it. to do right. it by herself. Showboat. It's right. all right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.